Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Monday, January 16th. Hi, everyone. Stacey Marie here. Today in the U.S., we're observing Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is a holiday. So we on the crypto team wanted to offer up an episode we think feels appropriate to the idea of service. This is an episode that focuses on Sam Bankman-Fried's so-called effective altruism. What happens to all of the various organizations, nonprofit and otherwise, around the world who were expecting to receive donations or who received donations from Sam Bankman-Fried or FTX or any of its associated entities? Bloomberg reporters Sophie Alexander and Laura Davison joined me for a look at the fallout. And we'll be back tomorrow with a new episode. Thank you and enjoy. Sophie, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Sophie Alexander. I'm a reporter on The Wealth Team. I cover billionaires, what they're doing with their money, and especially billionaire philanthropy. Such a busy time for billionaires and what they're doing with their money. Laura, what about you? Hi, I'm Laura Davison, and I'm based down in Washington, D.C., where I'm covering wealth, but also um, all things Congress and tax policy and and what uh, politicians are up to. Again, just many things happening in, in your world. So let's talk about the place where the intersections of your worlds are happening, and that is a gentleman named Sam Bankman-Fried, who I'm no longer going to introduce on this show, because if you're listening to a show about crypto, <laughs> then you, you've at least heard of what Sam Bankman-Fried is. But perhaps you have heard either slightly less about or don't quite understand what the concept of effective altruism is, which is something that he was closely associated with. Sophie, what does this crypto billionaire or perhaps former billionaire have to do with this particular strand of philanthropy? Effective altruism is this brand of philosophy and philanthropy that's picked up steam recently because it's caught the attention of billionaires like Sam Bankman-Fried, but also Elon Musk. And what it is, is essentially the idea that you should make as much money as you can to give it away, but in a very effective way, hence the first word in the term. But that means saving as many lives as possible. And there's this whole other strand of it called long-termism. And the idea behind that is trying to sort of preserve humanity's long-term existence on this planet. So there's a lot of focus on artificial intelligence research and trying to make sure that the robots basically don't kill us in the future. <laughs> the robots are definitely going to kill us. But when you say things like trying to preserve humanity, I think of, you know, cryogenics and this idea that people have like, well, we can all, we can all freeze ourselves and be and be alive. I'm not sure if effective altruism had much to do with cryogenics, but what I do know 
is that part of the tension that I've seen in terms of the criticism is how do you know if stuff is working? Like if you have such a long term time horizon, how are you even measuring the efficacy of your effectiveness? The things that they focus on sort of get at that. Like, There's no way of knowing whether people are going to be around in 200, 1,000 years or whatever. But they're trying to focus on issues that will prevent the collapse of humanity. Pandemic preparedness, research on biosecurity is increasingly popular, especially from SBF. And then artificial intelligence is a big one as well, especially among not just SBF, but also Elon Musk. He does a lot of that as well. And to your point, not about being like, yay, robots, but more about nay robots. More so like doing the research now to make sure that artificial intelligence is developed in a safe way. Got it. Laura, you're in D.C., which is in a lot of ways the opposite of Silicon Valley, (laughs) from the fashion to the focus to just the way that, you know, the, the priorities that people have. SBF, for lots of reasons associated with, you know, lobbying efforts around trying to get certain types of regulations in place, spent a lot of time in D.C. Was he successful in persuading people around him to, like, buy into this effective altruism vision from your perspective? He really talked about pandemic preparedness as being one of his key drivers for political giving, which raised a lot of eyebrows because there is almost zero talk in D.C. about pandemic preparedness, at least among politicians and Congress and the White House, maybe in some corners of some agencies. But this has really been sort of an interesting way to see how he spent his money to really bring to life some of these ideas that he's talked about. His crypto giving or his political giving, really, uh, most people believe that that was more focused towards crypto. When you look at and crypto regulation or less regulation, as the case may be, mm-hmm. he was giving to the key figures there. Where you see some of these more altruism ideas come to light is in this foundation giving. Though, as our reporting has showed, that the amount of money that his foundation said uh, it gave, or the FTX Foundation said it gave, didn't actually go out the door. Um, You know, they had a bunch of grants that never ultimately got paid. And in some cases, some of that money actually may be clawed back as part of the bankruptcy proceedings. Now, just for context, is this common in philanthropic giving? Like, is there often this discrepancy between, hey, we're planning to give all this money and is it just that the timelines are long? It's like hard to give money. Like, what's going on here? In like the broader like world of billionaire philanthropy, there are a lot of promises that are made, Mm -hmm. like the giving pledge. It's a pledge to give away the majority of your wealth in your lifetime or your will You know, a lot of people have died who signed the giving pledge. We have no idea whether they actually gave away the majority of their lifetime or wrote it in their will. The majority of your wealth is, you know, a big question mark because, you know, Jeff Bezos's wealth has varied, you know, tens of billions of dollars since this time last year. Mm -hmm. He said recently that he wants to give away most of his wealth in his lifetime. But what does that actually mean in terms of dollar figures? Now, talking about SBF and his pledge, you know, the the grants that they said they made on their page, you know, a lot of those weren't paid yet. A lot of that has to do with paperwork. There's a lag. I think there is a lot of PR to the world of billionaire philanthropy. So sort of like slapping all these big numbers up makes a person look good. And in SBF's case, that's that's also true. Right. To your point about billionaires saying they're going to give things, it does 
I'm reminded of when people were super surprised that Mackenzie Scott, formerly Mackenzie Scott Bezos, was just like literally giving money. <laughs> she would just turn up and be like, here's a bunch of money. Bye. I am fascinated by what you said there about this idea of PR, because Bankman Freed, who has been on a bit of a like texting with reporters tour, in a text thread with a reporter at Vox Media, appeared to concede that for him, at least, some of this effective altruism stuff was just PR. How seriously can we take this movement in general? Like, is it unfair to ascribe, you know, cynicism <laughs> to the vast majority of these folks? It's hard to know what people's real intentions are. Philanthropy has, in history, been a very good PR tool. I mean, if you think about Rockefeller today, you think a lot about his philanthropy. Literally Same. the Rockefeller Center. Exactly. In and New York. The, and Carnegie, you know, you think about his public works, his libraries and things like that. You don't think of the fact that they were robber barons. And, you know, the same has been true for, you know, billionaires who are still alive today, like Bill Gates. You know, 20 years ago, people didn't think of him as this fantastic philanthropist. They thought of him as this evil monopoly man. And that, look how much that has changed. Same for the Sacklers, who, you know, are implicated in the opioid crisis. Their names are slapped over museum buildings all across the country. And until recently, no one thought anything of it. So it, it is hard at this point to think, OK, yes, we can take this billionaire at his word that, you know, he really does mean well. He's just trying to make as much money as possible to give it away. Maybe we should start asking the question of how are they making their money? Mm -hmm. The other thing, too, specifically about SBF is that he clearly was very conscious about who he gave money to and the reasons he was giving that money. He told Vox recently that he gave as much money to Republicans as he gave to Democrats for political donations. Through dark money, he specified. Through dark money, which, of course, can't be verified. Mm -hmm. By definition, those groups don't publish their list of donors. So it's very hard to know whether that's true. But the reason he said he gave through dark money groups versus giving to more public entities was because reporters freak out when billionaires give to Republicans. So it was clear he was thinking about what is the perception of this giving that I'm doing. So this is SBF saying the reason he used dark money was to avoid, you know, quote unquote, reporters freaking out. Yes. And you look here to the people that were receiving money from the FTX Foundation. It's a lot of academics. It's a lot of researchers, including, you know, undergraduate students, some PhD students, master's students, uh, some really small dollar donations, you know, comparatively speaking, you know, things that are in like the tens of thousands of dollars. But people that were influential in the field and that were very influential online of sort of pumping up FTX as well as the effective altruism movement. Now, I just want to kind of segue briefly into Future Fund and this idea of influence, because it was a part of the overall FTX Foundation that was, according to their marketing materials on their website, funded by what looked like Bankman-Fried's inner circle, right? So you had Caroline Ellison from Alameda, Gary Wang, Nishad Singh. What did they do exactly? Like, what was the Future Fund? Yeah, sure. This was actually a really kind of novel and also very complicated organization. So they basically had two tiers of grants that they gave out. They gave out bigger grants, which were more like a traditional foundation where, you know, applicants could apply and, and get, you know, kind of hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. They also had this whole re-grantor structure where they had more than 100 people that were active in the effective altruism community who would identify 
different researchers or projects that they thought that they were deserving of, you know, sort of smaller dollar amounts of money. So these are a lot of students who are applying for specific projects that they were working on or kind of ragtag groups of of people who were starting different side hustles and uh, they could apply to get this money. So it was really kind of broad. You know, you look at people from, uh, you know, it was Trump's former head of Operation Warp Speed who's writing a memoir. He got some money as well as, you know, a Harvard undergraduate got $30,000. Up next, more from Bloomberg reporters Sophie Alexander and Laura Davison on what's happening with effective altruism and crypto. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Now, we've talked a bit about these smaller dollar amounts and the the influence. And so I feel like we have to talk about one of the the influencers of this whole movement, which is William David McCaskill. When I Googled him as research for this, it was like a bunch of photos of him staring off into the middle distance, like really intently. And he, you know, he has been described, as it were, as a charismatic leader. Who is this dude? And what was his relationship to the FTX Foundation and to the EA movement? He is one of the originators of the effective altruist movement. He's a philosopher, and he was actually on the team of the FTX Future Fund. He was one of the people who signed the letter that went up on EA Forum, a community online, from the team behind the Future Fund after the whole thing collapsed, saying, hey, we resigned, big apologies. If you have questions and you're a grantee, please email us here. So it's unclear, to me at least, in my reporting, what the relationship between SBF and McCaskill was. But it does sound like, from Ellen Hewitt's story uh, recently with Peter Singer, she did an interview with Peter Singer. It sounds like SBF was making the rounds with this group. Peter Singer is another originator of the movement alongside McCaskill, another philosopher at Stanford. So it, it sounds like they were swimming in similar circles. And no shade to philosophers. So philosophers, please don't come for me for what I'm about to say. But most philosophers aren't like household names. McCaskill was on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. William McCaskill, welcome to The Daily Show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm a huge fan. It's, uh, it, it's interesting speaking 
to a philosopher? Because when they say philosopher, I remember thinking, oh, it's probably going to be like a 90-year-old man with like a <laughs> stick and it's, what is the meaning of life? And yeah. where are we? This is an extremely savvy <laughs> group of folks. Is that sort of common in these EA circles that they are, you know, kind of strategic about getting their message out in these larger forums? In the larger forums, I'm not sure. I mean, recently, just within this past year, it's been interesting to watch them sort of gain influence in these billionaire circles. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, Elon Musk has also espoused the idea. I don't know how recently, but at least earlier this year, there was a poker player named Igor Kurganov who was in charge of his foundation. And he is... Wait, wait. Elon Musk's foundation was run by a poker player? Yes, Cool. A poker player. And it, it, it seems like there are a lot of poker players who are involved in the effective altruist movement. This guy, Igor Kurganov, was big in the EA space. Now, I just said no shade to philosophers, but some shades billionaires. One of the things I've noticed about billionaires is they seem to be hypersensitive to associating themselves with people who are cool. Because a lot of billionaires aren't cool. <laughs> And so tell me a little bit about, you know, these kind of billionaire circles and who they're being influenced by. Well, with Elon Musk, it's a completely different story because it's unclear, like, how many real close friends he has. You know, this year he had this poker player running his foundation who he apparently met at Burning Man. You know, he dates Grimes. He like, you know, he's doing all this stuff. Who knows who's actually close with him? and who is just associating with him for the proximity to his power. So those, that's the circle that Elon Musk runs in. With SBF, it sounds like it was this tight-knit circle of FTX folks and also effective altruists. I just, I feel like I have to close with this anecdote because it's too good not to. In the New Yorker profile of William McCaskill, they have this sentence. McCaskill liked to drink too many pints of beer and frolic about in the nude, climbing pitched roofs by night for the life-affirming flush. He was a saxophonist in a campus funk band that played the Mabels and was known as a hopeless romantic. Incredible. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. That was super fun. I learned at least five wild things. <laughs> <laughs> you can find more of their reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. And do check out our newsletter, which is also called Bloomberg Crypto. You can get that in your inboxes twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undum. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? 
With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.